You ready for Freddy? Now that's a fucking bong hit. You are listening to Thanks for the Invite podcast with Freddy Korea. You sound good, bro? You like your volume? Everything sounds great. I think you sound beautiful. You sound very beautiful. Thanks for the invite. Oh, thank you. Finally, somebody plugs the podcast on the podcast. Mm -hmm. I, I got Jay Hollinsworth on the podcast today. Yeah. Yeah. How you doing, bro? Good. I'm Th- good. Thanks for coming through, man. Hanging out. Thanks for having me. Thanks for the sandwich. Even though I was like, I can't eat it. But thank you. <laughs> thank you for the hospitality. <laughs> well, I did lie to you. I told you I was going to have Chinese food. That's You're right. cool with the Chinese food, though, right? Yeah, I'm, I'm cool with sandwiches. I just, but you were never like, oh, what do you want? <laughs> you just like, I'll just pick for you. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I, I, I thought you would have. I'm a picky eater. I know. I mean, I, I, I said, do you like portisabs? I would have thought you would have Googled it or something. I don't know. Oh. But I don't know. If- I was waiting for the follow up. Uh. Yeah, Freddie's like, hey, do you like this restaurant? And I was like, what did I say? I think I. <laughs> I go, oh, I said it does, doesn't sound Chinese or something like yeah, that. Yeah, something Because like you had that. originally said Chinese food. And then you never <laughs> responded with anything else. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Uh, oh, well. Yeah. Fuck sorry it. about that. We're here. You haven't ate, though? No, but it's all right. I'm sorry about that. Sorry. We're you here. want some chips? We're, I got we're chips. We're Deal with it. Yeah. We're here and queer. And we have Yoshio Obayashi on the podcast. You said that right. Thank Ooh. you. Thank you. Well, you taught me. You said the very first time you were on the podcast, you said, it's like, oh my gosh. There you go. <laughs> how long has it been? It's probably been like seven, eight years, dude. Fuck. It's been a long time. It's been a long time. Is that yeah. how long you've been doing this podcast? Yeah, 2013. Are you serious? Holy Fuck yeah. shit. Yeah. Yeah, we've been doing it for a while. My co-host couldn't be here today. Who's the co-host? <laughs> Ian Burford. He said, uh... He said he ate Chinese food yesterday, and he feels really sick. <laughs> Is that for real? <laughs> yeah, that's oh. that's part of the reason why I didn't get Chinese uh, food. <laughs> good, good call. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's not feeling well. So has he been your co-host the whole seven years? No, no, I haven't had a co-host until like my hundredth episode. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah, I, I did it solo, just with guests and stuff like that. So how many? What do you have? Uh, how many episodes? with Ian? Probably about fifty. Uh. No, less. I got two. You would be episode 251. Oh, okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I have less. I should I should have more. That's all right. Because a year, if you put out once a week, yeah. what, how many 52 weeks? 52 weeks. 52. Yeah, that's why I was trying yeah. to do the quick math on yeah. seven years. Yeah. There, I've taken some time off. How about you? you? You've been doing your podcast for a while. Uh, Yeah, I have two of them. So one of them, the Hollingsworthless, I've been doing probably maybe 10 years oh snap <laughs> oh damn you're like a pioneer bro no but uh yeah i don't have pioneer numbers um oh but i yeah i started out it was just me just talking and uh, that lasted for about three or four episodes and i was like fuck this yeah and then uh my buddy phil fox uh became a co-host and then now it's uh it's me and three other guys phil fox uh sean mccann and manny martin and then me and manny also have another podcast mm-hmm. Uh, that we started around around the beginning of the year called Love in Black and White, where it's mm. just two comics dating relationship. He's a black guy, always dated white women. You're He's a black married, guy. Married, yeah, for the yeah. most part. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, so that's, we've been doing that since January. Yeah. Oh, How's okay. it going? It's good. Like, uh, it, it's uh, it's a trip. Like, it, 
Because when we did it, we, we were like, it's a dating relationship podcast, but first and foremost, we're comics. Yeah. So we're always going to go for funny first. Yeah. And so we, we you know, we kind of told people as we were putting it out, like, know that we're comics and we're going to go for laughs. You know, mm. like it, it could be the most serious or whatever fucked up topic. And if we see a joke, we're going to go for it. Um, but people are loving it. I mean, it, the thing that's a trip is like, uh, do you do, do you have a podcast? Used to, but I have Yoshi I did it a long time ago. Did yeah. you? Okay, it's. I mean, I don't know if you ever like. It's a trip because you know, with like podcasts, you you put it out there, and unless you're like a fucking Joe Rogan or somebody that has a huge following, you put it out there, and you're kind of like, well, I mean, I hope you know somebody's listening to it. It's kind of out there in the ether, but we've given we've gotten a lot of like emails and feedback and like people have written in and saying how like it's really helped them uh you know like getting through the pandemic and all that shit and you're like oh fuck okay and it's it's kind of the the best feeling about it is that uh it's just us being us we're not putting on any kind of horse shit you know and yeah. and they people are, are liking it so it's good how long how long each episode is uh, about an hour. About an hour. Yeah. That's good. Same with the Hollings Worthless. About yeah. an hour. Yeah. Sometimes we might go a little bit longer than... And lately we've been doing... Uh, we record them like with a on Streamyard with a live audience. Mm-hmm. So like we'll be in the you know commenting and somebody will or we'll be talking and somebody will comment and you can highlight their comment and that can take us off into another angle. It's pretty fun. Streamyard's pretty cool. I've tried it a few times. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. So when you have a, a live audience, are you sharing it on your Facebook feed or are they going into the chat? Like the lobby. Um, you just don't bring them into the show. They can go. Um, they can see it live on YouTube or Facebook, oh, and then they can, if cool. they're wherever they're watching it, they can comment there. I see, and it and it shows up in stream. That is true. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Because I've seen some people do a podcast on Zoom, and then there's like this thing. Uh, I think Bobby Kelly does that where there's a lobby. Ah. Uh, oh, so, and then he can bring you in, and then he can bring you in. Yeah. That's like. Uh, have you guys done any of those Zoom shows? The fucking. Like the nowhere, the nowhere comedy club I did there, and they, they, I mean, it's great. They have like two, three hundred, four hundred people watching or oh, whatever. Yeah. But they have like a you, you log in and they put the comics in like a green room that, uh, that only the it's a it's a, you know a virtual green room. It's kind yeah, of yeah, and they separate it. Yeah, yeah. So you done you done one of those? Yeah, I've done oh. did that. I did uh, Kev on stage's uh, Keep Your Distance show. Yeah, which. I mean, he actually, you do it in front of like about 20 people, mm-hmm. but then he's streaming it. And like when I got off, there was 10,000 people watching, which is fucking yeah. wild. Kev's huge. Yeah. He's yeah. huge. I, we were talking about that yesterday. I'm like, damn, I didn't know he had a, such a social media presence. Dude, he's doing a show on Will Smith's Instagram. Whoa. Called Dads Just Don't Understand or something like that. Whoa. Yeah. He's fucking, he's, and he's the, he's like, the good thing about Kev is he's one of those people that he's just a great dude. So it's yeah. like anything he gets, you're like, I'm happy for him. You know? yeah, yeah. He's not like you, you, nobody. I don't, I don't know anybody that'd be like, man, fuck Kev. Fuck yeah. that guy. Everybody. He's the best. Yeah. You know? And so you, you met Yoshi, you guys met in Phoenix, you said, uh, I just, I seen feed or seen him in Phoenix a lot. I actually met you, I think in Seattle, uh, um. I think at the underground, and I think I went up to you and told you because I used to be roommates this with this. This must be a long time ago. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, it, probably ten-ish years ago. Uh, you you talking about underground the original location or the new? No, location? no, the new one where it's at now. Okay. And I think it was at an open mic, and because I used to be roommates with Harold Gomez, who's, okay, who's a comic, and Harold had always told me about Yoshi, like you'd uh-huh. always say, "Man, this guy's fucking great comic," blah blah blah. Mm. So I think I just went up to you 
uh in seattle and it was like hey good to meet you you don't know me i'm, I'm roommates with harold and you know he always speaks highly of you and that was about it and um then- how did you become first of all mm-hmm. harold is one of the most underrated comic from pacific northwest <laughs> i think he's originally from boston or connecticut area connecticut yeah yeah you could tell he has that edge and um it's funny you know i just finished maybe 45 minutes of patrice's uh pod and, and there was a one episode one segment where Patrice was explaining black prostitutes to Robert <laughs> Kelly. Yeah. Well, one time I was in Vancouver, Canada with Harold and Ty Barnett. I wish I could remember, but he fucking broke down the street prostitution in Vancouver. He's never been there, I don't think, at the time. But like, black person have a pretty good sense like every different neighborhood with how crime works, where you to get drugs and things like that. But anyway... He was like John Mann. He gave an accident all like <laughs> how the hooker shit worked, you know. So it was yeah. really funny, and um, and I think I was relatively still kind of naive about race, um, politics. With you know, like he he just said like, well, if you get pulled over, it's a good thing that we have one non-black person, <laughs> mm-hmm. so we we might get benefit of doubt. <laughs> he did say we'll be better off with, with white person in the car if we get pulled over. But uh, yeah, Harold fucking hilarious i know he uh want to take care of his family so i think he's doing less comedy but i'm telling you uh if the circumstance was right he he would have been a big star yeah. you know i mean he, he is that good he won oh, seattle wow. comedy competition he was kind of like mentor to jeff die yeah. um so you know he um and I, me he was mentor to me like wait i uh I met him through, he did a fantasy football league with a mutual friend of ours. Oh, he's always talking shit about how great yeah. New England Patriot was. <laughs> yeah. And they I, are great. When I had moved to Seattle from Boston, my, it was our buddy Ron, and Ron, uh, you know, I, I was, you know, a couple years into stand-up, but he was like, oh, this dude Harold, he does stand-up, you should talk to him. So we, I took him out for lunch because I just wanted to get an idea of the scene and everything sure. like that, and then we we kind of clicked, and then shortly after that, we uh, we became roommates. Yeah. Very uh-huh. guy, I miss him. I haven't seen him a long time. And Either have he's, I. He's always like traveling overseas. You know, he, he cooking them like a, these humongous container ship. And, uh, you know. What's his uh, name? Harold Harold Gomez. Gomez. Harold yeah. Gomez. Shout yeah. out to Harold um, Gomez. I think he has African last name, Gomez or something. But it's something to do with immigration because they couldn't say it. Oh. So they just say Gomez. Oh, okay. <laughs> so it became Harold Gomez. But I think it's like African last name. I was thinking he was like Dominican or something. No, no. He, um, um, he's just a cool dude. He he um, he always kind of had a like, uh, demeanor like uh, um, Wesley Snipe. You know what I'm talking yeah, about? Yeah, 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 he's yeah. got the cool... Yeah. I mean, black guys are always cool, but he's yeah. an extra cool vibe to him, you know? Yeah, yeah. very chill. Very, yeah, yeah, he never have to yell people for attention and shit like that. But oh, he wow. told me, I think he even did a show with Patrice one time, and like uh, he told me, and he, he's not a bullshitter. He said Patrice liked what he did. So, oh, cool. um, yeah. Uh, he has the vibe of a jazz artist. Yeah, yeah he yeah, really like, was. He, oh, yeah. he really had like Wrestling Snipe slash uh, Miles Davis kind of cool to him. Yeah. And I like his material. So and he's still up there in, in Seattle? He's on the boats now. I Oh, really? Yeah. All over the world. He's just making food. Not for, doing stand-up, cooking. Cooking, cooking. yeah. Oh. But he's, <laughs> a, he's, a, he's, a, he's a That's thinker. That's amazing, too. <laughs> he's a good thinker. And any given moment, he's like, hey, I'm in Hawaii or in Japan or Hong Kong. And like, you know, it's almost like... 
what's his name from Pulp Fiction? Um, Jules? Yeah, like in the oh, house okay. he's going to travel the world. Yeah, yeah. Harold just cooking and yeah. traveling the world, you know. Uh, to me, I would prefer to do anything else on a boat. I, I used to always dream of being a... a a comic on a boat i really do really? Like, yeah and then i've met comics that do boats and, and they fucking hate it oh, it's miserable yeah it's miserable i yeah I've i would never, rather be a I've, chef running have you the ever show done any cruises i've done shows on a boat but they're stationary you know oh, yeah, but yeah. I'm, I'm, there's no way they will hire with my act you know <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, the, the adult comedy hour <laughs> i mean yeah but um yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, um, uh, I know you're pressed for time, but I just want to say, yesterday they they show uh, the premiere of Patricia's yeah. doc, and and of course it was because it was ten year anniversary of yeah. his first and only one hour special, Elephant in the Room, <laughs> mm-hmm. and um, um, you know what a loss, and uh, I mean. I, you, you I, were, I, did, I only did one show with him. You, like, okay, I was going to say you performed I, I, I with did him one or? and only show a couple months in August in Phoenix. Oh, yeah? And he's unbelievable. Every show was different, you know. Yeah. every. I don't think he had a written material or anything. He just started talking to people and just do shit right there, you know. And uh, we, we got a bit of a, like, argument. Okay, maybe it wasn't quite three hours, but he was telling me, I got annoyed because, you know, for years I used to send him porn and shit, right? And he's always been cool, even though it's glass, sex toys, or whatever, because he like them. Well, for our listeners, Yoshi used to work for, he used to edit uh, porn. I, I used to do, uh, I was a DVD producer mm-hmm. for a company called Evil Angel, mm-hmm. and um, Norton, Jim Norton, I met him, you know, he was hosting AVN like a years ago, mm-hmm. and um, he was walking around the porn convention, and Craig Gass said, hey, Jim Norris going to be hosting AVN and I told him like you know you work in the business so that's how I met Jim through Jim I met Patrice um, um, you know Robert Kelly Attell uh, well Attell I knew years before oh, okay. that um, and Rich Boss and um, I kind of feel bad that one of the first time I met Bobby we were filming porn in New York City and he said, Bobby, you want to go and check out porn shoot? And he said, sure. And, but unfortunately, it wasn't like, yeah, a, it wasn't like a normal kind of porn. Mm-hmm. We, we rented this um, tattoo parlor. We had a plastic bag and everything. Because mm-hmm. what happened was we would stick half a gallon uh, uh, or more, or maybe even a gallon of milk in girls' asshole. And they'll hold it. Jesus. And after a while, given, you know, when they start filming, yeah. they'll shoot it out of their ass. And I think if I remember right, Bobby's a tough guy. He got into fight protecting people. He's a very, very tough guy, but I don't think he has a strong stomach. No, he doesn't. I think, I think he almost gagged. Yeah, and yeah. Because, but I was, I'm so used to that kind of stuff, you know? So um, I can so just the, see him, too. Just like, what the fuck, dude? <laughs> oh, that's a really good impression. Is that a Boston thing? Yeah. So it, it smells like, you know, somebody took a shit in, in like a tattoo uh. place. But... Um, <laughs> but Patrice probably out of all of them I, I got to know him a little bit later on and and Jim recommend Patrice to his manager uh, Jonathan Branson I think Jonathan's in the dock later on and uh, I got to know him throughout but um, the thing that I was really really impressed that there's many funny black people obviously they're very very funny both men and women 
but he was he was a really thoughtful person because you know we were we were talking one time and this is about 10 years ago right after the tsunami hit japan and i don't even know why the conversation brought up but i told him uh it's very common right after the tsunami hit in japan people are bleeding and they're really like injured and they would tell people who are trying to help them like please forget about me and go help someone else because there is this unwritten rule among japanese we're one you know this is like a social contract among japanese so you know you might lost your wallet and you know tens and hundreds of millions of dollars were recovered returned to their rightful owners and things like that so there there is this like um group think and you support each other mm-hmm. and then when he heard that he paused and I, I don't know exactly the wording but he basically said it kind of hurt him if I remember right that um, there wasn't a lot of that among black people I mean there is there is this sense of community black community unite to fight racism mm-hmm. but stuff like that what the Japanese did he didn't I think that he, what he told me was there wasn't that kind of strength and a proactive way to help each other. Like only thing, only major thing with United Black People is racism. But if it wasn't for that, there wasn't this sense of like a national unit. You know what I'm trying to say? I know yeah. what you're saying. No, no. Mm-hmm. But Japanese are very different from other races too, you know, because you go all the different soccer games or Olympic events, Japanese are one of the few groups who get up and clean all their mess. And don't they don't just live a mess because mm-hmm. you're just not representing yourself and you represent the whole group. So mm-hmm. I think that he didn't become defensive. He was just like we had a little bit more. And I was surprised that because uh, I think other black communities shut the fuck up, man. The blacks are blacks are better than you know mm-hmm. you know Jack joke around, but he he wasn't like that. He really was a thoughtful person, mm-hmm. and I, I think a lot of people didn't know that. I think he was a very sensitive person actually. Mm. And it, is that the conversation you said you had like a kind of like a debate an argument or that was 10 years ago around this time i um then seven eight months later i found out he was doing a show in phoenix Uh and i asked his manager jonathan if i could open for him the best he could do is let me host the show so i found out like last minute and patrice got mad because i drove from la to phoenix at the time the car that i had um no ac (sighs) And the only way uh, it doesn't overheat, if I put heat all the way, and since I found out last minute, <laughs> I was driving during the day to Phoenix, and it was like 115 Jesus degrees. Christ. So every 30 minutes, I have to pull over, go to gas, and get a bag of ice or something. And so he got mad, like I almost killed him, killed myself to get over there, you know? Oh. And uh, uh, he also said that, um, he, ho- he also told Jonathan that, he texted him and said, it really bugs me that you're friend with Yoshi, and why? And I'm paraphrasing what Patrice said, because he asked a lot of antiquated, stupid question. He's completely useless. And also he <laughs> told him about my comedy, like he's a um, filthy hack. And once again, useless. You know, so <laughs> he's right, you know. Um, but I, it was a nice thing because I've done show with uh, Bobby... Uh, Jim the most uh, and Jim and Attell, uh Rich Boss but that was the one, for, first and only time he ever saw me like he was he, he doesn't have to mm-hmm. he got up as a uh, headliner stand in corner and watch and when I'm done he went back to the green room 
uh, it was nice of him. He wasn't impressed, obviously, but <laughs> um, but he didn't have to do that, you know. Mm-hmm. So, um, but he, I've been telling people that um, he really was Lawrence Taylor of comedy. Mm-hmm. He was so dominant, you know, mm-hmm. and. That actually, that but I got a question for you, Yoshi. Because yeah. you you said you've been doing it since the nineties. Yeah, fucking wild. So this, I app- mean, I, I I I was doing it, but uh, I was stopped like a year here. Yeah, yeah, six months because I was working all the time. Well, you know? my so this happened to me probably about three years ago, ten years in. So I'm wondering in that in the time that you've been doing stand up, uh, was there ever a comic? Maybe it was Patrice, maybe it was somebody else. Was there ever a comic that you were just like blown away with? There's many, many funny comics. Right. But um, obviously, Atel is one of them. Um, I like the stuff that Russell Peter does with the impromptu conversation. Mm-hmm. But to me, the, there's three comedians. Um, I feel like, I all feel sometimes like they're like, like a space alien or something, mm-hmm. you know, because maybe not. Are the, that For me, the three that was really like, kind of shocking to me i really have to think what they just did it was louis ck mitch burke and patrice interesting you know who it was that that did that for me yeah uh and i'd worked with him before but i never really like sat down and watched his set uh i was featuring for um bob marley you know bob marley yeah i i, I, ne- I, you know, I know who he is right. i never saw him and i don't think i ever met him so for those that don't know bob marley's a comic out of maine and he he uh he like for a long time there was a the world record for stand up. I think Dane Cook had it, and then Chappelle, maybe. then Chappelle broke it, and then Bob Marley broke it. He did like forty seven hours of stand up. Uh, but the thing that was most impressive, he didn't repeat a joke for seventeen hours, which was crazy. But so I'm working with him in um, in Florida, yeah, and, dude. And it was one of those deals where like you, it's interesting that you say alien because that's a great way to put it. Because I remember when he got done and I watched this whole set, I was like, do we even do the same thing? This is at such a different fucking level. I just, I dude, and it was it was clean, but that he he had like there was an edge and a bite to it. Yeah, he's clean. He 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 is now. I and I asked actually said that to him afterwards. I was like. I, after it said, I was like, man, that was, you know, you, you work clean, but there's like an edge to it. And he said, I've been working on that, uh, for, I think I forget how long he said he'd been trying to work clean, but keep that edge. Cause he yeah. said that, uh, he recorded an album. I mean, he's a new England guy. He recorded his album and he said, I counted how many times I said fuck in an hour. And he said it was like 237 times <laughs> or some shit like that. So, mm. but I was just like blown away. Another person that I love, uh, is Jessica Curson. Oh, yeah. Oh, I met her. Yeah, I met her through Russell Peters at DC. Probably a couple. God, uh, yeah. She's very funny. Crusher and mm-hmm. just yeah. fucking, you know. But yeah. yeah, Bob Marley for me was like, and I've, I've never, I never got to work with Patrice. I uh, I was scheduled to work with Patrice at the parlor when I was at House MC there. And two weeks out, uh, he went to the, he went into the hospital. Same thing happened with Greg Giraldo. Two weeks oh, from Greg yeah. Giraldo was, was going to be my first time working with I was going to say, to me, that's, the person blow, blow he blow he blew me no he blew <laughs> he blew me away yeah it, it was i was like so impressed by him and uh sorry to just jump no in, no no but uh dom Herrera. uh um i i don't know have you ever cried laughing oh yeah 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 i had tears coming out of my eyes i was laughing so hard which is rare as a comic yes like from, from seeing stand-up bob mar bob marley i just literally was just like like head in my hands and just oh, like wow. going 
holy shit like i mean just it was so I mean, fucking you know, good there, there's so many great comedians on I, I don't want people to get uh yeah, no, no. wrong impression well no one listens to this because so norm norm mcdonald's another great oh, one yeah. oh, and uh uh, yeah. uh gary shanley was another one i was so happy to meet him to one time you know but you know just like stanley kubrick made so many different kinds of movie you know like yeah. I, I just don't understand where they come from but what louis He's a great stand-up, but he could also write plays, oh, a script, good. perform, direct. Um, and even over the summer, he had a podcast with his French girlfriend. And I love getting those emails from uh, Louis because more than anything, he's such an like, incredible thinker, you know? Like he's, he, he has such a great taste in art and movies and TV shows and theaters and things like that. So when I listen to him, like... Not only do I laugh, but like I feel like he changed my life for better. And Mitch Hepburn, I I, I knew yeah. uh, for a long time ago. And here's another one when I listen, like I don't understand what that. It's really funny, but what you know what I mean? Like it's almost like somebody with alien technology and like How does alien. He see cop- this shit. Yeah. yeah, and Patrice was like, it's not mature, but like the story and thinking and like you know some some dipshit. 200 years ago that everything that needed to be invented has been inventive there's not, there's never going to be new things that will be invented in like 1920s or something you know uh, clearly that's wrong but um, Patrice I thought all the black great black comedians told all the social ills and like he really made you think, you know. Yeah. yeah. To, to me, his his analogies uh, were genius. Yeah. And the way the way he viewed things, I thought was just, I like, um, <laughs> you know, like you were saying, like there's all these great comics and this and that. This is obviously no disrespect to, to anybody, and I'm fucking nobody. But like, like when I watch George Carlin, I'll I'll watch it. I'll be like, oh, that's smart. That's smart. Yeah. But I'm not like laughing. Yeah. But right. with Patrice, I'll be like, holy shit, that's genius, and I'll be laughing. Right. Yeah. You know, um, it's uh, it's just another another guy is uh, Don Gavin out of Boston, mm. uh, which um. He's not. They call him the Godfather of Boston comedy. Yeah, and there's a lot of comics that say that he's like their favorite. Like Gary Goldman puts him up there. Rogan, Rogan, yeah. Fitzsimmons. But uh, and my favorite story of Gavin. He drinks when he's on stage, and sometimes he gets hammered, and mm-hmm. he'll he'll repeat jokes. So one time he's on stage and he repeats a joke and this kid in the front row goes, you already told that one. And Gavin grabs his drink and just kind of swirls it. He goes, oh yeah, the record's six. And then just takes a fucking swig. Just not give a fuck, dude, you know? Uh, but yeah, it's uh, Patrice was just, I, every time I watched him, I was just like, holy shit, this guy is just a fucking genius, like how he sees shit. So I knew, I knew you lived in... Um Seattle, but I always thought you were a Boston. Company. I started in Boston. You started in Boston. <clears throat> started in Boston. Then I went to Seattle. Then I went to L.A. Then I went to Phoenix. Now here, because you won the Boston Comedy. I wouldn't. I won Best of Boston, Best which of was Boston. like the Boston Examiner, or uh-huh. I forget the name of the yeah. magazine. You know, some oh, okay, some horseshit thing. You know, another comedian that we, we I'd be wrong to mention, not mention, is Colin Quinn. And oh, Colin, yeah. you know, Colin was like, you know. Obi-Wan Kenobi, the Gandalf of the comedy scene, LA, I mean, New York and Boston area. And mm-hmm. I know he's good for on a lot, but, you know, 
they're just astonishing people. And like when you listen to him talking to Patrice, or better yet, Patrice and, and Anthony Kumia of Open Anthony, mm. it's one of the some of the best racial conversation. And Patrice loved that because all he ever wants is honesty. He doesn't care that you don't like him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it, it, it's um, he definitely brought the best out of Anthony, and Anthony brought best out of Patrice. You know, so I wasn't really used to that because it's interesting. You're you're from Boston because. Boston's one of those weird town. I mean, everybody says it's racist, like, yeah, but racism's everywhere. But it's interesting because Boston, one of the main business Boston's education. Hmm. And underneath it, there is a very uh, significant portion of working class. So you have like high school, even less educated people living at the same time with one of the most brilliant people, you know, MIT, Harvard, Boston University. So there's this collision of those two culture yeah. you know like goodwill hunting whatever and patrice no surprise that well versed in racism but he was intellectual because i think mm-hmm. boston did have a yeah, I think, huge influence i think burr called it uh boston it's like a racist san francisco he said <laughs> he said like <laughs> that's got, a good one yeah, yeah, yeah that's yeah, a yeah. great yeah <laughs> you know, yeah that's uh f- yeah boston's uh, uh, it was uh it was interesting starting there and i've uh you know, I just I think about like random open mics like Tavern at the End of the World. My buddy Scotty Lombardo ran in Charlestown, and you'd be on stage and fucking longshoremen's come. Ah, he's fucking queer, <laughs> you know. And like, all right, well, what, I guess I'm, what year did you start out there? Uh, two thousand eight. Oh, uh, okay, yeah, nice. August twenty eighth, two thousand eight. And you did it for how long? For about a year, you said there. About two years. About two yeah. years. And then, then what, Seattle. Okay. Then uh, was there a big difference in Seattle when you went. I, I was mean, no longer. I was no longer there. So I, you're back I, in the day with Brody and Joey, right? Yeah. I Tainan. I don't I don't even recognize the scene because they're. Um, I could tell people were getting upset when I was doing the show there. Mm-hmm. But they wouldn't say anything because I wasn't a white person. Mm. <laughs> but I, I don't think that will work anymore because when you go places like Portland and Seattle, Asians are kind of considered like white people now. Yeah. So they're more inclined to attack them now. Uh-huh. Um, you know, last six months I've been to 41 states. I literally did round the world trip. And there's something is up in watch Seattle and Portland area, especially in Portland. Mm-hmm. With the riots and shit, you know. So I grew up in Portland. I, I grew uh-huh. up. My dad played football for the the Pats way back in the day. But I I grew up in Portland, wait, wait, Oregon. That explains wait, your hold size on, hold now. On. Okay. Your dad played for the Patriots. New England Patriots. Yeah, yeah. What year? Like sixty three, I think. It was just one year. I got his contract. It was like eleven thousand five hundred. What position did he play? He was a split end, which is like a hybrid tight end wide receiver. Wow. Yeah, yeah. It's pretty dope. How tall are you? Sweet. Me, I'm six eight. You're the tallest uh, guest of the podcast. Dope guest yeah. of size, but uh, but I was going to say it's interesting what you say because I so I grew up I lived I moved around a bunch growing up uh, yeah. for for various reasons. But I, I grew up in Portland, Oregon. I lived in Sacramento, Tampa, uh, you know, Seattle, and um, mm. it's I've always had a thing I, I guess against Portland or whatever you want to say. Like growing up there, it, it I didn't want to stay there because I felt like people had a very content mentality. Yeah, and that always drove me nuts. Just in life in general, like ah, this is fine. I don't, you know, not. I, and I've always been where 
whether I was doing when I was doing martial arts or stand up or I was working in corporate America, I always was like, I want to improve and move up, you know, get better, get my black belt, whatever, you know. And uh, so it was. Um, it, okay, can I interrupt for a second? I, I like how he says things and just like very nonchalant black belt martial arts. I didn't know this shit. This is fucking amazing. No, uh, it's fucking awesome. That's what that's what. Uh, Yun Chun Do, Wing Chun Do. That's I, I, badass. I, I want you to keep talking about them a second, but 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 have you noticed uh, sarcasm doesn't really go well in Portland area and Seattle? Oh, dude. C- com- compared to Boston, you, yeah. you, you notice that though? Yes, yes, uh, yes. It's something about from going from East Coast to West. Mm. People are very nice in Midwest, and they're polite in Pacific Northwest, but. Man, sarcasm is very—it's it's a very strong force in Northeast, dude. Yeah, and uh, the thing I always said, uh, what I noticed between like East Coast versus Seattle and and Portland—not so much LA, but I always said like in the East Coast, if it's funny, it flies. If yeah. it's funny, if it's funny, whatever it may be about, like uh, it, it, it'll work. Whereas in in Seattle, like or Portland. If you if you say a word, you haven't even got the joke yeah. out. A certain word will trigger people, and immediately they'll shut down, and they don't hear the rest of the joke. Yeah, yeah. It, it, you they could even agree with your premise or your point of view, right. but they won't hear it because they just heard a, like if they heard the word rape or they yeah, hear they get hung up race, on a word. Something. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And it's just you might appreciate it because last time I worked with uh, Atel in Seattle. Uh, that club is no longer there. Um, um, oh, I think they used to have one in Bellevue too. The parlor. parlor. That's yeah. where I was the house MC. Okay. So the one in Seattle, um, this is like a couple months after Seattle lost the New England Patriots. <laughs> so it's a room full of people there, right? And I'm, I'm opening for hotel. And all I said was, hey, remember the time uh, Russell Wilson threw that interception at the uh, very end of the Super Bowl? <laughs> Do you remember that? It got quiet, right? And I go, okay, raise your hand if you used the N-word when he did that, right? So I, I, <laughs> so I raised my hand, right? As right. n- n- <laughs> soon as I the N-word, they, I mean, they just shut down, right? <laughs> so raise your hand. Like, right. when, 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 when he threw that interception, raise your hand if you used the N-word. I raised my hand. No one would go, go along, and some lady go, why would you say that? Because it's fucking hilarious. Yeah. That's why. Um, but... People in Boston would laugh. I would. I would yeah. imagine. But yeah, they. Uh, but after that show over the weekend, even the tail is like, "What the fuck is with this audience?" Because, all right, you didn't come to see me, and I'm telling you to think about N word with Russell Wilson, who is you know Seattle's Jesus Christ, I right. guess. Yeah. All right, but you specifically bought a ticket to see a tail, and they were they were kind of cringed out, like. Then it's not Tell's fault, you know. Like, uh, oh no, no. It's, it's, so, so I don't, I don't know what's going on there, but whatever it is, I don't fucking like it. Oh no, I yeah, it's uh, dude. They they started having like uh, so. Here's a little inside ball, so to speak, for the Seattle. How about Portland, scene? by the way, I want to hear what you had to say about Portland. Oh, uh, uh, well, I was gonna say about Seattle. So. They had a, they used to have a room in Seattle. Somebody opened a room called the Comedy Womb, mm-hmm. like a woman's womb, right? And they said that it wasn't female. I hope they get uh, uh, ass cancer. What's what'd you say? I hope those people get ass cancer. <laughs> oh well. So and they said that it wasn't it wasn't female <laughs> exclusive, but you you couldn't. They said like no jokes about race, uh, uh, chauvinism. They, they had like a list of all these jokes, right? That'd be funny. Like the only ones you could do is abortion. Yeah, so so they had this room for a while, and uh, I never did it, of course. But <laughs> at one point, they changed the name of it to the Comedy Nest because somebody was like, 
hey womb is gender specific oh, and yeah. i'm like i it's not inclusive yeah so they they're like, like i'm a bird so i i would prefer change it to the comedy nest, the nest. Um, wow yeah it's uh it, it's it's interesting that's why i say i started going to Tacoma because i felt like Tacoma still had like a little bit of an edge to it. They're yeah. more working class, but that's yeah. for sure. Because uh, what doesn't uh, what's that saying by Stanhope? What did he draw the line? He said he draws the line at funny. Yeah. So he he would not uh, use certain. You could use whatever on stage. You know, I got chastised, uh, Biloxi, Mississippi, for using the N word uh, because uh, when I just a couple weeks ago and. First of all, if I use N-word in Mississippi, you should pay me bonus. You know what I mean? But uh, uh, <laughs> all the comedians, there was basically like a couple of customers and rest of the comedians. I told them, like, I gave them option, like, um, I could do jokes or I could just talk to you stories and, you know, people that I knew or whatever. A comedian much preferred to hear that. And I used the N-word because Patrice called me Chinese, then N-E-G-G-A. Uh, yeah. That's it. I wasn't calling anyone. Yeah. You know, that's what I said. But you just said the word from a story. Yeah. yeah. And uh, I mean, among other terrible things about uh, me, <laughs> but um, but this black girl was upset. So like, all right, I mean, I'm not sorry for saying it, but if you're upset, you're upset. I'm not, I'm not going to say you, you don't have a right to be hurt, you know, but it's really weird. Like, she's a comedian. Like, I don't know. I think if you're a comedian, you should have a little bit more thick skin, I think. You know? Oh, yeah. I hear Chinaman, Jap, Gook, all that stuff. Like, okay. Me too. You yeah. know? <laughs> I, I want to know about this I know this you guys go to Chinese belt. restaurants all the time. Yeah, yeah. I want to know about this black belt, though. What, so oh, you got your tattoo. What, uh, what does that tattoo say? Uh, Wing Chun Do or Yun Chun Do. Uh, so, What's the black belt? What, what, um, well, I'll tell art? you. So I, way back when I... When I was a kid, I boxed. I started out boxing. Then I yeah. did a style called Afoxonet, which was uh. a mixture of like this guy's own thing. And then I started uh, Woon Hop Kyun Do under Al Dacascus, who is the father of Mark Dacascus, who did the Crow TV show and Iron Chef and all that. Um, and Woon Hop Kyun Do, the base of it's called Kaju Kempo, Karate Judo Kempo, Chinese boxing. Mm -hmm. So that was all in Oregon. I moved to Seattle like 94 and um at that point i was like ah, i'm done with martial arts because I, I was like i'm not interested in like tournament fighting yeah. i just i don't give a shit about that so uh i worked at verizon <clears throat> and this guy I worked with he kept telling me he was like uh he knew i had done martial arts before and and i love fighting stuff um and he goes uh you should read you should meet my roommate's uncle he was one of bruce lee's students and i was like okay yeah sure everybody has some connection to bruce lee yeah and this literally went on for like a year finally i was like fine i'll go up and see what this yeah. guy is about mm -hmm. i walk in his name's james demile c joe james demile i walk in and Right as you walk in, there's this huge black and white picture from like early 60s of James DeMille and Bruce Lee doing cheese house sticky hands, right? Yeah. So I was like, all right, maybe this guy did know Bruce Lee. So let me go see what he's talking about. I go in, I do this thing, the intro, and it was like a 180 of everything I had thought about of fighting. It was really interesting. Mm -hmm. um, and so I was like, I was hooked. So I, I studied with him and I did it for like 12 years. I had a school in wow. Oregon. Uh, Oregon Academy of Modern Gong Fu, and I said it was self offense because I hated the idea of like self defense. I don't. You were running out of school. You're yeah, yeah, I had a yeah. school in Oregon. Wow, Oregon Academy of Modern Gong Fu, and uh, and I, I I always listed it as self offense because I hated the idea of like. I don't need a fist to be in route to my face to know I'm in a fight, you know? So I'm like... Strike first? I mean, yeah. If you come uh, within my threat zone or kill range, I'm going to, you know, and like... 
you know, like from here, I can't touch you. You can't touch me. So you can do whatever you want. But if you come in within a certain range and it's a, we're at a a heightened aggression. I tried to hug you one time and you kind of like, you know, you pushed me off. (laughs) Yeah. Well, it's just because I, I, I no of COVID. No <laughs> yeah, means no. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Okay. So, I like that. So, but somebody gets close enough, then you. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean. With the aggression, you're reading the fucking environment. There's no point waiting until they do something. That's yeah, stupid, too. Uh, yeah, I like that. Self offense. I mean, it's like uh, the one thing with our uh, with the, the, our system was like, uh, it wasn't very traditional. Like, a lot of styles are like, this has been how this is how it's been done for 4,000 years. Don't ask questions. Ours was very much like, if you have a question, we'll tell you why we do something, why we don't do it yeah. this way. Yeah. And we'll, we'll give you an example, like, uh, or we'll, we'll, we'll show you. And, um, we had an open mat policy at the time or open door, like open fight policies. Like if you, what does that mean? um, so it's, sometimes you have sorry I, I look like I should know my short but <laughs> yeah I was gonna say out of all of us I was gonna ask you yeah, <laughs> no. yeah. We, no. have, we have one Asian guy so you have like <laughs> you're uh, the one that knows when I say shorts. sticky hand we were talking about taboo video right <laughs> yeah, yeah, there you go. That's, that's a different kind of uh, yeah. don't come within my range you know what I mean we were talking about we had those guys Kung like, Fu. put your dick away and stay yeah. away from my range alright so it, it, like an open mat policy or open uh, there's different terms for it you have yeah. like sometimes you have school busters they call them but so somebody that comes in and wants yoshi, to challenge yoshi you, edited one of those before school, what? school busters uh, Porn so if joke. you want if somebody uh, wants to challenge you to a, a fight like then you say okay we will we'll fight you yeah. you have to sign a waiver mm-hmm. and then we will like my buddy uh my buddy michael michael banog he was the youngest black belt in the system and he was teaching this kid and the kid's older brother came to the class yeah and he was like i want to i he's like i don't you know i want to make sure this is legit so he wanted to fight so michael's like all right you gotta sign this waiver and then oh. fucking jammed him up <laughs> and fucking oh. the guy was like all right all right all right this is legit the guy was like a boxer i think and uh oh wow like see joe it was interesting james demile before he met bruce lee he would tell you like he, he would tell you himself he was like i was a punk i grew up but he was like i was an orphan mm-hmm. i was in street gangs and he was a at the time he met bruce he was a heavyweight boxing champ in the i think it was the navy he was undefeated in like 153 fights, like little three-rounders. Yeah. Where, in Seattle? Uh, well, he was in the Navy. I think he might have been stationed in Seattle. I okay. don't know. This is way back in the day, mm-hmm. uh, like late 50s. But he saw Bruce, and uh, this was in Seattle. Bruce was yeah. demonstrating. I think they went to Edison Technical School. But Bruce was um, he was doing a demonstration, and he was doing praying mantis style, which I guess Bruce would never do a demonstration in how he actually fought. So he's doing praying mantis style or whatever, and Cjo went up to him, and Cjo would tell you that he was being a prick, but he went up to him. He goes, "Hey, that's pretty and everything, but you'll get your ass kicked here in the states." And so Bruce goes, "All right, hit me," and he didn't say like throw this punch or do this. He just goes, "All right, hit me." And Cjo said that there's like all these people looking at him, like, "All right, what are you gonna do?" So you know, he said he outweighed Bruce at the time by like maybe you know seventy five hundred pounds. So he said he tried to fucking murder him, like tried to hit him. And next thing he knows, he said he was trapped. Bruce had trapped his hands and was knocking yeah. on his head, going, "Hey, anybody home?" Like that. And uh, CJ was saying, you know, at this at this point in his life, he identified himself as a fighter. And here's this dude that he outweighed by almost a hundred pounds that just shut him down. He's you know one of the things like usually in fighting you're used to you know like you want to cover your you. Protect the the head, the body. Nobody ever thinks like, oh, I don't want I don't want anybody to touch my hands. Which that's what Bruce just wanted to get into your hands, and then he could with like. Is, is he still alive? Bruce? No, 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 <laughs> just Bruce. no. Uh, James Demile, he is. He, I think he's in Hawaii now. Uh, and you know him well. 
I mean, not, not at this point. I mean, it's been, this is, God, this is crazy to say, too. This is probably 20-some years ago. I haven't talked to C. Joe in, fuck, that's crazy, probably around 20 years. I, he- I heard there was a story like this of a guy that outweighed Bruce, and that inspired the whole um, fight scene with Br- Brad Pitt in, uh, in that movie with... Uh, once upon a time. In- oh, I don't know about that. I mean, he he was challenged by Wong, or the Wong Jock Man in San Francisco. There, it's interesting because like all these movies about Bruce Lee, like yeah. uh, like the the dragon, the Bruce Lee story. He has a black friend in San Francisco. Yeah. Right. That black friend is actually was his friend Jesse Glover in Seattle. Yeah. Um, Jesse was like his first student, and Jesse was a, a like a jujitsu practitioner when he yeah. met Bruce and. Then you had Taki Kimura, who just passed away recently. Uh, Taki was like, took care of Bruce's grave, like would clean it every yeah. month. And um, and Taki's like, uh, I think either Taki or Taki and his parents, or maybe just his parents were like in internment camps during World War II. Yeah. So like people always talk about like Taki really looked up to Bruce because here was a confident Asian man. And Taki at the time, I guess, you know, wasn't. Um, where's the uh, where's uh, Bruce Lee's grave? In, in Seattle, Seattle, along with Brandon. Okay. Yeah. Oh, wow. I used to, every time I would go up a belt in Wing Chun Do, I would put my belt on, out of respect, on Bruce's grave. Mm-hmm. And I asked Taki about it one time. I was like, did you ever clean it up? And there's like a giant <laughs> belt because they used to have to sew my belts together. <laughs> but yeah. yeah it was, God, it's such a long time ago now. It's Crazy. So you would just leave it there? Oh uh, yeah, I would just out of respect. I'd yeah. move up another belt and I'd put my previous belt on his wow. grave just out of. I didn't I, really, I didn't really care for his daughter getting all bent out of shape. Oh, at the movie, it, I didn't either. I'm like, it's a dude. For fuck. Oh, for first the of movie. All, first yeah. of all, if Bruce Lee was still alive, he's he would probably say, "Hey, bitch, I'm trying to get in Quentin Tarantino yeah, movie, yeah, right? Yeah, You're yeah. fucking enough for me." <laughs> and two, I don't know. I always had a mixed feeling about Bruce because I always was like. Jackie Chan because Jackie was oh, funnier. Oh yeah, and Jackie had no choice about funny because you could never out martial our Bruce. Right. Yeah. So he had no choice to be funny, you know. But um, people used to get mad at me in Seattle. But I used to tell people that, uh, I mean, if Bruce Lee was that good, how come he couldn't teach his son to dodge a couple of bullets? You know, <laughs> <laughs> that's such a trip. Uh, how how Brandon passed yeah. was basically in accidental. The well, it was in the script of Game of Death, like when they rewrote Game of Death. Yeah. Because Bruce died during the filming of Game of Death, so they had to adjust it, so they made it that he was an actor that uh, got shot. The the Chinese, the triads were yeah. trying to kill him, and they shoot. They filled a, a fake gun with a real bullet on the set of one of his movies. Uh. And, and then that's pretty much how Brandon died, was a, a gun, a, the blank killed him. Yeah. So crazy. I think he would have become a pretty big star, you know? It was so during the crow. Yeah. Yeah, right. the crow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Fuck yeah, dude. It's crazy. I always I love Jackie Chan too, and Samuel Hung because he's built like me. <laughs> <laughs> is that is that the guy from Bloodsport? Who's that guy? Oh, that's Bolo Yang. Uh, no. Samuel was uh, uh, was. A- <laughs> you know your Asians very well. No, dude. Bolo and Bolo is famous for always playing like rapist <laughs> yeah. in all those different movies and being playing the bad guy yeah, you know but, giant uh, chest. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah he's still alive. I, right? I know a lot of martial arts dudes from yeah. yeah. That's pretty Show cool. Show Kasugi, the Revenge of the Ninja. <laughs> and all these fucking names, dude. But it's really weird what, um, you know, uh, when when the Parasite won Best Picture last year, you know, a lot of... Um, <laughs> I have such a mixed feeling because I don't want to get, get carried away, but I remember when Jeremy Lin was playing really well that one month or two, like 10 years ago for Knicks, 
and and all these Asian people are getting a little too excited. They say, "Oh, he's better than Kobe Bryant." You need to calm the fuck down. <laughs> yeah. You know, like I might have had one good show with Attell, maybe better than him, out of thousand shows, maybe one if I'm lucky. Like he had a good couple months, but like when they start talking like, oh yeah, oh, yeah. better than yeah Kobe, like have some respect for Kobe Bryant, you yeah. know. Um, but yeah, it, it it went from you know 70s and 80s and 90s. Only way Asian guy will get on mainstream is playing goofy guy or doing a lot of kicking. Now <laughs> Asian guys get on TV and Netflix by cooking. You notice uh-huh. lot there's like a lot of Asian. You know, Eddie Wong, Taking their David Chang, the David Choi. They're all like Asian guys cooking, you yeah. know. But um, even Parasite, like, you got nominated, uh, one big picture, but none of the actors got nomination for acting. You Did know? you watch it? Wow. You, you watched it in, uh, you, you speak Korean, right? No, 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 no. no. When I was a kid, when I speak kid? Japanese, not very well. I mean, I speak very, very rude Japanese. Because you were born in Japan, but your family was from Korea. Yeah, so when my parents got divorced, they didn't even tell us. My mom just said we were flying from Osaka, Japan to Tokyo. When we woke up next day, which I should have known better, we're in Hawaii. That's when my mom said, by the way, your dad and I were divorced. So uh, she dropped me and my younger brother in 1980 with her sister. And they only spoke English and Korean, and I only spoke Japanese at the time. So, like, I didn't even know. You know, like, imagine if they grab you one day, you you appear in another country, they speak another language, and the people that you're living with don't speak the language that Jesus. you do. And, like, you're in another country, like, you, you have to relearn, like, you know, some, some things are considered polite in Japanese. It's considered rude in, in, in America, mm-hmm. vice versa. So, it was, a, it was, it was a unnerving at times, yeah. you know? Yeah. Fuck. So so Yoshi was in town, so I hit him up to be on the podcast. We had scheduled you to be on it. And um I I, I wanted to ask you uh how you liking Vegas? Uh I love it. Cuz you just moved out here. Yeah, I moved uh August here, which I guess I moved at the worst time as far as like the weather is the yeah. hottest. Yeah. After once October came, like and then and this is what everybody was telling me is like you move during the worst time weather-wise. There's three months that are it's like Satan's asshole, but yeah. then once you get past that, the weather's great and it has been. Yeah. Um yeah, dude, and in my apartment complex, I got like four comics. Carlos Rodriguez is four doors down from mm-hmm. me. Landry lives there, Amir Khalil, Ty Rivera all live in there. Mm-hmm. Um and uh are you able to work and make money right now um yeah it's it's well i'm i'm going out on the road like i i'm all next month i'm i'm in washington and sacramento but uh um you get like like somebody will hit you up hey you want to do a paid guest spot tonight or yeah special guest tonight like uh just that just happened was it two nights ago um and that happens a lot. Like you'll get hit up same day. Um, I did uh, a week at Brad Garrett's like last month. You yeah. Know? So stuff's starting to open back up. Um, but yeah, it's uh, I love it. I love it. Yeah. The, you know, the, everybody's chill here. There's, I mean, you have the drama, local drama, like you do every scene. Sure. sure. But it's nothing, nothing more than I've seen anywhere else. You know, it's yeah. actually not as bad as like. I don't know what drama. your experience been like, but uh, you know, I've been called like. Racist, sexist, uh, white supremacist. Uh, what you've been called a white supremacist B- because I didn't vote for Trump, but like I don't like when people lie about him. Like he's already done enough stupid things, mm-hmm. concentrate things that he actually did bad. 
but when he does something good, you have to recognize and admit that. And like, I hate those kind of comedians because I, th- I just hate fucking liars. Yeah. But what I think is funny, they always fun make fun of people from red states and Trump. Yeah, they're leaving blue states and blue cities and perform red states like the kind of phony in yeah, a way yeah. you know like so uh, uh, performing for a uh, conservative crowd i feel it's much they're funner. more honest it's so, I think. so much more fun yes because it feels like like kind of like we're saying about seattle like they get yeah. triggered by one word and it's like jesus those words can be bad but depends on the context like it's not okay to kill people, but you watch horror movies all the time. You are clear know that that's not real. Right. So when somebody's joking and he's trying to make a point, mm-hmm. you know, another one I hate is like, you should say something extreme or uh, edgy, then that's not funny. First of all, maybe it's not funny, but somebody's working on a joke. Yeah. So like I, I, I reverse that like okay you're an accountant or you're a doctor you're doing something different or new it doesn't quite work out I'm not gonna say like you shouldn't do that because you might have to do a bunch of time before you get it right yeah you know, maybe you're a scientist you don't get the uh, uh, cure for cancer just because you don't get it doesn't mean you should stop like right. these things take fucking time so when they say like that's not funny like okay maybe it's not funny but it's not there yet. It's it's yeah. Maybe it will never get there, but maybe in six months it will. Yeah. So I don't. I just think they're rushing to I certain words. I think that's words. one of the worst things that people could do to a comic that's performing a joke and it bombs. Yeah. Is to just tell them to quit on it, it especially when it's brand new. You know. I don't ever. I don't. I mean, this is you know. And I'm, I always and I tell people this all the time. This is how my head works. I'm not saying this is right for any, if there's like a younger comic listening, to this, but like uh, like new stuff. So. I mean, how long have you been doing it, Freddie? Uh, eight years. Okay, perfect. So we're all at a point that we've been doing it long enough that we're like when you think of a premise yeah. and in your head you're like, oh, that's funny. Pretty much right there, it's funny. I mean, it's yeah. decided it's funny. Like I trust myself enough that if I think something's funny, it's funny. Yeah. So when I go to an open mic and I'm working out something, I don't need people to confirm if it's funny or not. Mm. I already know it's funny. I'm just I'm using the open mic to work it out, get the beats, you know, get the rhythm down of it. Uh, Do people laugh at something that I didn't even recognize that I can, you know, uh, mine that? But yeah. I don't, you know, I it's I, I'm like if I think something's funny, it's funny. It's now it's just a matter of figuring out the puzzle. I like uh, what you said. So you're doing it to like work out the beats and stuff. So you're not too much relying on the laughter at an open mic. I mean, no, especially when it's like 90% comics and mm-hmm. comics don't right. laugh anyway. So I don't give a fuck. Like I just yeah. did that eight bin you know and i'm it's like loud as fuck in there <laughs> dude well i do there's Probably some good room what's up I, I i like that room yeah, yeah. dude I'm, I'm listening to some guy though on stage that's doing like just the oldest tackiest shit that you've, sure. you've heard and then at one point during his set because it's just you know it's what it is he's like you know i've been doing this for a long time and i'm like really oh god <laughs> like yeah do you mean because you're an old i don't dude i was just shout like, out to what? mike tran who, who runs that room. yeah, yeah great guy great dude that wasn't the guy that was on stage that yeah, was but I, you're, no, you're absolutely right <laughs> you're all absolutely right about it's it's like a puzzle uh, you know how the safe you go like 18 yeah. right yes 52 you're getting mm. closer each time you do it you gotta skip uh, it sometimes uh, yeah because um you know we we have i i i think you guys will agree like you have a premise like okay you have a kind of rough idea of what you're going to talk about and you have to do a bunch of times and like the one time you get kind of lucky with the right evidence you finally set it in a way that should be 
need to be said and then you keep it that way but until then you just keep doing it yeah. until you, you you get there even if they get un- uncomfortable because it only take that one time like everybody go ugh. but one person life like you connect with that person you know so that's why i think i mean when you do an open mic you should definitely do new material yes but, but you want to put a little bit of uh, old stuff so at least some of the audience will laugh at something <laughs> i don't <laughs> care i don't i'm how like you, how, i'll fucking bomb and not i don't yeah you know what's fun. funny is he, and you'll appreciate this uh roger lazola you know roger yeah uh so in seattle at the comedy underground monday would be the open mic and travis simmons he goes by the big funny yeah he would go up at the open mic and do his like headlining set shit yeah and so he would get you know so he would do great because it's all worked out shit yeah. and as he would be getting off roger would be clapping going yeah man you did it you won the open mic you feel good you won man you did it you're the open mic champ and so i'm i 100 agree that you sh- open mic should be new shit and uh I, like and it's interesting because the same thing i loved about martial arts is the same thing i love about comic comedy it's the science of it like in martial arts, I always love like the like you know like like Wing Chun Do. When I did the intro with uh, Cedro DeMille, one of the first things he said is he goes, "You're not built for this system." I was like, "What do you mean?" He's like, "Well, usually big dudes rely on on trying to overpower and kinetic and all this shit." And Wing Chun Do is about angles and speeds. But he's mm-hmm. like, "But if you can learn to be loose and and be quick, you you already have mass and motion, so you'll be that much you know harder to to fight against." Mm-hmm. But um. I, it's always been the science to me uh, on comedy. Like, you know, you, you have something and you're like, I know this is funny. Why isn't it working? And you change one word or you do a voice inflection difference or you move something and it's like it fucking, it opens it all or up. Or some audience men will say something like, fuck, that's actually a better punchline than what yeah, I have. Yeah, you know, like, yeah. They, it, it, one out of a hundred times, like, God yep. damn it. I, I yeah. didn't even think about that. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Dude, it's fine. I, I just, I love the science of comedy and, and like I, I fucking uh, was doing uh LA comedy club like a few nights ago and I threw in, you know, like if it's a paid show, I'm not going to just, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to give a fuck about, uh, uh like if they a, give you seven minute guest spot, go for it. I, I did that last night. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I was doing like, I, I think I did like 20 or 25 yeah. and I, I threw in there a bit that I'm trying to work and it, I mean, the final punchline got a little something, but like they weren't with me through the whole thing. Yeah. And it, it was an analogy of like one night stands versus like a relationship. And I was saying how like I, I view one night stands like McDonald's. Like we've all had, it's not good for you. But uh, if uh, if I start having steak, McDonald's isn't going to like call you and be like, where you been? And so I was doing this whole thing about about that. And and there's, there's these different beats and punchlines in there, but I I'd like... I don't know if they thought it was being too mean to the fucking burger. It's just so stupid. <laughs> Jesus. But yeah, I was of, just like, well, I got to, I got to fucking work it. I got to work this. Yoshi. Shit. So, so you men- mentioned to sprinkle some stuff in there. How do you guys do it? Do you guys, um, and we'll wrap this up. We're about to hit an hour and three minutes or two minutes, but well, I, I, I think, how, um, do you do like tried and true material up first to get them on your side and then well, try I, new I, stuff? Or I think the most important thing is depends on whoever's running the open mic yeah um traditionally that the, the i have to say the, the last time i went to open mic where it, it's run like amazingly well it's the one in wise guy in salt lake city hmm. because the whoever's hosting does few minutes get off he's on on the side and all he does is like, okay next comedian coming up because because what happened is uh, most of this open uh, mic 
the host has a bunch of time. Then every time there's a new comic, they do a few minutes each time they're up. Oh. But if you add that up, if, if there's 30 comedians, you, if you're doing mm. extra few minutes, you're doing like hour plus whatever you, yeah. you started with. The most efficient way is they do their time, get off, and he has like a mic on the side and introduce people. Uh, now, if somebody did poorly and you wanted to take a few minutes or something funny to bring it up, okay, that's you. You, you still have to manage the show in right. a way that you shouldn't torture the audience either. You know, no. they, they should have some fun. You know, but no. uh, when that's when it, when, when it's running like that, it's not bad because everybody doing three four minutes. Even no. if they bomb, there's somebody new coming up to uh, could rectify the situation. My so. buddy Spear and I did a show at LA Comedy Club, and we did we did that. We we hated the the scene when a, a host does time in between and uh, the same thing it just turns into a half hour of the host fucking performing pretty yeah. much so I mean, if we would like, just bring uh, him up immediately keep the fucking show rolling you know if if, if it's obviously if it was someone like patrice hosting then that's all right yeah, yeah. obviously it's, yeah. that'd be fucking entertaining as fuck but you know it's um how do you introduce your material do you uh do, uh, do you sandwich it I do, uh, honestly it all depends like when i was host I, I was for three years i was a house mc at the parlor live uh and you know the shows whether they papered the room or they would sell out they were always packed so mm-hmm. um uh, it's, sometimes it's like you know like again it's that confidence thing like there's sometimes where you think of a joke and it's pretty much as you think of it it's already worked out and i mean you know they tell you don't ever open with a new joke but sometimes i would i would just like fuck it i'm very confident in this or somebody might you might say something that i'll fucking play off of that to open with mm. um that or maybe somebody who just did like a, a middle act and they said something interesting yeah you come up and then they uh, make a comment about that they get a laugh you know yeah 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 stuff like yeah that. It's, it's it all varies i mean uh if i if you if you were saying like just generally yeah i'll probably i'll put it in the middle somewhere um but that could you know it's a living breathing thing so it could change at any any moment like if you if like the, the burger steak premise or whatever maybe you're your closing joke you're talking about something with burgers and so i'm like well fuck it i'll just roll off of that mm, okay. if the joke was working yeah you know and uh so yeah it's, it, it just varies but you've it, closed with new stuff before for, oh yeah but you have that confidence so it's like it makes up for it it's like, yeah it's funny that you put something in the middle because uh when i work at uh taboo video in, in seattle the porn shop yeah there's guys rent like 10 movies <laughs> 10 so-called normal movie and they put the one tranny in the middle of it like, <laughs> I, don't, I don't fucking yeah. notice it you know yeah, like it's my tranny but, joke <laughs> yeah but i know i know they're they're, I know the reality they were actually there for that one movie but they don't yeah, want to be seen exactly. weird so, so they're just buying by a bunch of these sh- you know <laughs> shit in between it's I the whole stories. 20 movie you know? I heard stories you would um, you know how you said you, you would send porn to people yeah and you I heard stories that you would put the a fake uh, label on it and it was tranny porn is that true I, I sometimes I put it in there and it's kind of interesting because sometimes they'll complain what the fuck what did you put there yeah but I remember one guy he was complaining but like it was such a bad it's like every like scene he, he, uh, yeah. every he, scene I saw the whole thing he was he was a clear <laughs> like he loved it but like he had like um, my friend Steve Holmes he's one of the biggest porn star uh, you know for, for the last 20 plus years and I remember there was a scene where he's he's fucking this girl with another guy and the other guy mm-hmm. quote and quote accidentally ejaculate and hit him in the face oh. and he act like he hated it but it was clear he loved it you know hilarious it was just such a bad acting like Steve oh. 
come on you i could tell you love this so <laughs> that's a, have you guys heard kevin nealon's joke no about uh he it, uh, and I'm butchering the joke, but the gist of it is he was like he was saying that he was watching movies and he, you know, uh, and then he's like, then a porn came on and he's like, you know, wasn't really interested, wasn't really interested, then so started to get interested, very interested, then not so much interested anymore, and then he he does all these different porn movies <laughs> and naming them, and then he goes, then a, a gay porn come on and I was not interested at all, really not interested, not interested, slightly interested, really interested, <laughs> yeah. then not interested, yeah, it's fine. It's so funny. <laughs> Kevin Nealon's great. He yeah, actually is great. a fucking great. I saw him in Comedy books. Magic Club a couple of times and like, yeah. Um, there's there's so many fucking funny people. Yeah. That's why it's, it's like one of the last things I, I remember seeing Chappelle was saying, you know, stand-up comedy is distinctively American form art like jazz. Mm. And if you're doing it, we're, I'm paraphrasing what he was, but we're, we're, we should consider ourselves very lucky to be part of it. Then pause and he say, and you know, most of you are not going to make it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and made me laugh because it's true. It's, um, yeah. boy, it's, um, it's a tough business. And if you move to LA hoping that show business is somehow going to validate you, that's a really tough position to put yourself in. And I remember um, I knew Mitch, you know, and very, I mean, he's one of the greatest stand-up and he still had like issue with show business, you know, that, that mm-hmm. thing's so much bigger than any one big talent. It's bigger than anyone, you know, I don't care how talented you are, eventually it's going to crush you. you know? uh, I fell in love with <clears throat> Mitch Hedberg and uh, when Slacker Radio, before Pandora, they would play uh, comedy and I'm like, this guy's so fucking funny. And I would just listen to his radio station. And, and then like I, Googled, I Googled him and I got heartbroken. I'm like, he's dead. Uh, I'm like, God yeah. damn. I heard some pretty funny, cool uh, Mitch Hedberg stories. You may know these. I don't know. When, one was he, was he was somewhere. He's on stage. And from the stage, he's like, I got to go to the bathroom. He's like, he, so he tells his feature, he's like, come back up here, come back up here. So as they're passing, the feature tells him, he's like, Dude, I literally did all, my, I don't have anything left. And Mitch just goes, well, you know my act, just do my act. And he's like, really? <laughs> he goes, yeah. So he's the guy's, the feature's on stage just rattling off Mitch Hedberg's jokes. And then finally he's like, oh, okay, here comes Mitch. And as they're passing, Mitch goes, did you have to do my best shit? <laughs> and then... I also heard uh, George Carlin when he saw Mitch. I guess he was just like, just like dialed in watching him, just like amazed. And the the person that was with him, I forget who it was, goes, "What do you think?" And Mitch or uh, uh, George Carlin leans over and goes, "This blind guy is amazing because he thought he thought he was blind because yeah. he always had the sunglasses." <laughs> and then Harold told me a story about um, he was so shy. He was um, uh, really extremely shy, and uh, and I don't think I still talk to his wife and. I think he was very uncomfortable around people in my age. Yeah. But once he knew you, he was just a sweetheart, you know? Harold was telling me that, uh, well, two things Harold told me. He said that he, he told his like his black family, all his black friends, he's like, dude, this dude is the truth. And he was yeah. like, they loved him. And uh, But he said that uh, he was at one show, I think he said with Mitch, where Mitch was just fucked out of his brain, right? Yeah. And he was just leaning up against the wall and like the wall was holding him up and he just had his head down and he was just rattling off the jokes, right? And then uh, Harold said like a bunch of people from that first show bought tickets to the second show because they wanted to see if he could do it again. Yeah. That's how fucked up he was. But Wow. Um, there's a joke that he did. He was in his apartment 
and somebody's knocking on the wall a door or a wall or something really loud and Mitch says something like keep walking around or something shit like that just you know just walk <laughs> yeah. around and I didn't realize years later you know who was uh, uh, knocking to know huh. uh, Nick DiPaolo oh, with his room uh, uh, like a neighbor's like it's so strange you like surreal you know uh, he wow. just keep knocking on, if, it, if it's though somebody's trying to find a secret door or something yeah <laughs> I love Nick DiPaolo yeah um, great oh and I, I just remember something you said um Oh, your favorite one of your favorite comedians passed away. Um, Greg Giraldo. I I only met him once. He he was a very polite uh, gentleman. Uh, one of my friends said he opened for him Seattle years ago and asked him like, "Do you know where we could get cocaine?" And my friend Tracy then he doesn't know anything about drugs, so he has asked one of his friends to get him for him. But when he passed away, um, I read article where he was getting interviewed by psychology today. I was shocked, man. Every other word he called himself fucking piece of shit. Mm. Well. I, and he, he wasn't saying like in a jokey manner. Yeah, yeah. He said like, I'm a fucking piece of shit. And like, I was blown away because he's, he was so fucking funny. I remember there was a thing when the Colin Quinn show where he got an argument with uh, Dennis Larry. Oh, yeah. And Larry, Larry had no chance against him mm-hmm. on that particular day. He fucked him up. Yeah. <laughs> and... And 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 he went to like Harvard or Yale Law School. One of the top students, good looking, respect of his colleague, making a lot of money doing comedy, loving wife and kids. And I guess none of that shit fucking really matters if you think you're a piece of shit. Well, he, dude, it's in, when you I were, was really shocked. Like, there's no way. Why would you feel? Sh- it's a uh, when you were talking about like you know making it. Yeah. You know, um, I don't know if you ever get like this, but I sometimes I have to um, kind of my my buddy Sean kind of centers me. He's like you you look at s- stuff from a micro level and you got to look at it widen out because I dude I remember being in Boston standing in front of Nick's Comedy Stop and there's some dude some dude on the marquee no idea who he is I, I couldn't tell you you know and I go in and you know I'm like within my first year of stand up and I go in I watch this guy. And I'm just sitting there thinking, I'm like, wait, you're telling me like you can just, you just travel the country and you get to tell jokes. And yeah. I remember then I was like, dude, if I could just do that for a living, yeah, I, I, I'll, be, I'll have it made. And then you, you know, you get that and then mm. you, it's still not enough. So every once in a while, I got to try and go back to that. Like that was making it back then that would have been making it for me. If, yeah. I, if I can just support myself doing comedy, which I'm, you know, I do that now, but it's like, uh, you know, you, you, then you, you always want more. And I think that's kind of, I don't know 100%. any comic that's like, oh, I'm good. You know, even Kevin Hart still is always striving for yeah. more shit, you know? I know Russell Peters well, and he's probably the, uh, out of all my friends who make uh, most money last 10 years. But you're right, it's never uh, enough. And I got in trouble. All, I mean, I, I, obviously, I get in trouble all the time. People get mad. <laughs> Lucky that I never got punched. And Freddie was at the LA Comedy Club and uh, um, you know remember we were talking last night that East LA room the uh, Wild oh, Coyote that was Willie doing Willie Barsena yeah Willie Barsena and uh, because I talk dark material and, and filthy and like all these terrible things mm-hmm. I couldn't really work many of the clubs in LA so I had to go East LA because back in those days Beside Roger Rod, the white comedian, I don't remember any other white comedians are there. Some black, there's definitely no Asian comic there going to show because 
They pulled guns multiple times. Um, I got to piss. Yeah, <laughs> go for it, bro. Go, 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 right, go yeah, for yeah, it. Go yeah, for yeah. it. Yeah. I'll, keep I'll talking. talking. I want to hear this, though. Keep going. And um, um, I don't even know the reason why I was telling you that. <laughs> oh, about Willie Barcena and... Uh, so you go down the hall to yeah. the right and to the right again, okay. like a U-turn. Yeah, you know, and... Um, um, yeah, because you were talking about uh, being offensive and getting in trouble. I think you, I know where you were going with the story. It was when when you hid. Oh, you're talking about getting punched. Getting punched. Oh yeah, I'm 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 surprised I never got beaten. Uh huh. You know, I I I, I avoided it, mm-hmm. and uh, um. Well, you told me a story yesterday, and it, I was like, whoa, that you. Who told you to go outside, Willie? Yeah. And then you went to hide. Oh something. no no! Um, because they were like these fools were hella pissed off. I don't think uh, Willie was there. I mean, I, I was there in a different occasion when people were mad at me. You know, yeah. um, like um, who told me this? Mad dogging? I never knew what that was. Mm-hmm. Uh, Carlos Lomas. I think you know him. Yeah, I know Carlos. Yeah. Yeah, he said, "Dude, that guy was so mad at you. Uh, he was mad at you for doing pedophile jokes, and oh. he hated when you were mad dogging." Like. What's mad dogging? So he was explaining to me, like I get in trouble sometimes, even when I'm not doing something purposely because people misinterpret. You right? Like, right? I'm a Latino. There's certain things you shouldn't do, and every Latino knows that. I'm an Asian. Everybody knows you shouldn't be doing. You know that kind of thing. So mm-hmm. clearly, I was in the Latino room. I didn't know that, but when he said I was mad dog game, I was looking at his direction, but I was looking kind of straight over the bunch of people. And like looking at the clock and like, wow, what the fuck do I need to do? Work tomorrow, this and that. Mm. And uh, oh, anyway, I think I remember why. So um, a guy got mad because I was doing a lot of jokes, looking at him like that. And somebody goes, he got mad because I said like, she looks great. You know, I, I, I um, um. You, you remind me of one of the popular porn star, and I think her boyfriend or husband say something like, puto motherfucker, you think my, my wife is a whore? Well, then I said, well, clearly she is. And, and, and <laughs> they got mad. But, no, but, but before they kind of grabbed me, like, no, 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 you don't understand, sir. I believe every woman is a whore, <laughs> whores. But I also then, but I also think Every men are whores because, not because I work in show business, because we all have jobs that we hate. And every day, I don't care what you do, even your boss have to uh, uh, have a boss of a boss. Every ha- Everyone have to answer to somebody. Even the president of the United States have to, you know, pay attention to the voters and things like that. So, uh, so I wasn't just picking about show business, but... I'm sorry, but if you're a comic, it's no doubt about it. You are a fucking whore. <laughs> no, seriously, yeah. you, you are. Yeah. Like some shitty club owner that you know he's uh, going to fuck you, you with money. Mm-hmm. Uh, network, because they, they say you're, you, you're too ethnic or you're, not, you're, you're too white. Or you're not you're ethnic. Not, <laughs> yeah. So, and you could be a cop, you're a whore to your boss, and your boss's boss is the whore to somebody. Right. Everyone is a fucking whore. And that's why when I used to work for porn, I thought this is the most honorable profession because... Mm. There was no dishonesty. Porn- pornography literally means 
graphic presentation of prostitutes, and it's the most honest because these women are not forced to do anything. And ironically, porn have the least amount of sexual harassment because women go into business knowing sex is part of it. Mm. And if you're going to in a business where you fuck for a living, they kind of know how to um, defend yourself and uh, maneuver around that kind of behavior. In fact, most men in porn are afraid of women because you know these people fucking fuck for a living. You know what yeah. I mean? So I think. There was a really weird intersection where I learned a lot about people in general from porn and comedy, you know, because I think anyone who steals jokes from other people and fuck other people, I know people like that. And there's an honorable guy like Patrice, you know, and there's same kind of shit in porn business too, you know, mm-hmm. who are the scumbag and ripping people off oh, and yeah. things like that. But um, yeah, uh, it's, it's I'm sure it's been pretty challenging year but um i mean overall i think i i think overall i i could have done something's better but overall i think i'm doing better than most famous professional comic uh financially last year you know and uh i know i have a lot of comedian friends that like they're in fucking big trouble because they didn't qualify for unemployment and you know it's hard to get a job when you've been stand up 15 yeah. 20 years I, I got some friends that getting paid under the table hit them in the ass you know yeah hit them in the ass because they can't do unemployment you know a lot of comics that i <laughs> they were making great money on the road but it was all under the table so mm. nothing was being reported and shit so i got lucky because sucks. uh my friend rosie tran helped me getting assistance from the state oh, because yeah. i had i did 300 episode uh, podcast so she was able to present my narrative in a way like um small business person you know oh yeah yeah so i, I got lucky but if you didn't have a bunch of podcasts and if you're doing under the table stand-up i don't know what those fucking people mm. do you know like, I, was gonna uh, ask, I was gonna ask you about that so we could plug some stuff so you're not doing yoshi no she no. didn't no more i um you still have the podcast still up though right like people it's, can it's go up back. there but you know it's it never made i lost money doing it um i i do the best you're gaining it now with the <laughs> I, i'm doing the best with i mean this is the first podcast i've done in a year oh wow i i, I think i i do the best podcast with uh your mom's house with uh tom oh yeah Segura, they love you I've seen, christina yeah. i don't know i've done other people's pod but some reason on theirs i do really well because to me i think they're like retard whisperer like <laughs> they're really good at reading me and who's that two white people from trading places they were betting each other like with eddie murphy's oh, character yeah, yeah uh i know who you're talking about yeah to me tom and christina is like christina's a good person uh want, want the best for me tom take on my retard and see what retarded shit i would do you know and they have a kind of bet and every time they're bringing me over and like let's see what's this fucking retard <laughs> <laughs> what's what's this retail has been up to last two years right. you know you know it's like an update <laughs> yeah so <laughs> like we i know somebody's update. gonna get mad for saying that word but i don't know but you're retarded it's cool yeah that's yeah I mean, <laughs> what update well, uh, no but uh update. <laughs> well i want to plug uh, uh your podcast people can still listen to yoshi didn't uh you could check out yoshi also on uh rogan's you were on rogan that's one of the first times i heard you uh, on joe rogan's with yeah rogan uh episode 317 <laughs> 317 yeah dude back in the day I, back in the day then um I, uh aries you did aries that was a good one too if you want to oh yeah 
Google Yoshi. Yoshi uh, how do you spell your last name? Obayashi. Um, I, I think the la- last funny thing I heard, I wasn't even on it. It was a conversation between Tom Seger and Burke Kreischer. Oh, yeah. Uh, two, cave, what is it, two Bears in a Cave. Mm-hmm. And they were talking about me for like 15 minutes about, you know, a bunch you, of... Do you know what that. episode? I don't remember. It was within the oh. last three or four months. Okay, I got to check it out. The uh, only thing I have to promote right now is I got so bored over the COVID in Arizona. I wrote three-fourths three, three of a notebook full of porn stories. And I got, oh. I just wrote them, and that's uh, that's pretty cool. I typed it up with the pictures I put in my Instagram, thinking it's a stupid story. And also, Kira said this is an amazing story, and she was kind of kind of shocked that she thought it was good because she's yeah. not an idiot, and she published three or four books. Uh-huh. So, kind of made me think, and uh, I wrote. So far, I've got five stories. My friend Rick Hall re-edit, so it's great, and my friend Eddie Lee. Uh, did the artwork for the first three stories mm. so um, uh, probably takes me rest of the year but I'm writing all my porn stories in a children's book format <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> it's my story with Rick Hall's editing yeah. and Eddie's uh, amazing artwork and uh, once once that's done I think I'll, I'll ask Tom and Bert if I could to both of their podcasts talking about it but other than that that's I've been, awesome dude uh, so yeah, uh, put it out like a children's book. <laughs> it's not for kids, but it's no, funny. no, no. But like the format. <laughs> yeah, like one of the pages would be stuck together. Yeah, um, hard hardcover, hardcover stuck um, together. <laughs> one one page you have a hole like a glory hole. Um, <laughs> no, another one has like overdue, whatever. But yeah, it's like twenty years when I was involved in that business, and you go back on Legion of Skanks, they, they would love that. You've been on Legion of Skanks, people could find you. On Those there. guys are such a nice guy, but I bombed really bad. You know, you like think you I, bombed. I, I didn't. I, I didn't have anything to add. I'm like that show would have been way better off without me on it. I mean, those guys are so. Bro, you gave me a nice shout out on that. That was really nice of you. That's why it was so shitty. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That was that turns. was the worst worst part. I forgot I did that. Yeah, because you're such a. Um, you, I'm a huge fan of Legion you're, you're, you're just a, such a like a supporter of any podcast. You know, I listen to a lot of podcasts. Yeah, so I like that. The people that I had problem with the porn company that ended up getting me fired, it's, it's people who are business people, but they didn't watch porn. And yeah. I hate people like that. Like, why do you get in a business where you don't even care about that shit? Some club owners that hate comedy, but they just like the money. Yeah. Um, people who run podcast network, but they don't like podcasts. <laughs> yeah. By the way, I forgot the I want to plug uh, that episode you did with Ari so they could hear this full story. There's actually a really good story. It's on Ari Shafir's Skeptic Tank, episode 74. That's fucking long time. It's a long time ago. And, and oh, and here's another podcast I've been getting into. Uh your podcast, Jay. Yes. Let's plug that one as well. Uh Holling's Worthless Program comes yeah. out every Wednesday and Love in Black and White comes out every Tuesday. And also your social sorry, media. So that sounds like a one of my porn movies. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> what the Holling's Worthless Program? <laughs> um, uh, I'm at Big Irish J. J A Y is spelled out. Big Irish J on everything. Big Irish J dot com. All my Instagram, YouTube, all that shit. And you do a, a daily video as uh, well. Oh yeah. F- Are you doing it on Instagram? You post uh, it on- I do it on Instagram and I post it on Facebook and YouTube. Okay, yeah. nice. And you're you're six eight. Yeah, man, there should be like a comedy special where like you and Gary Goldman and all that Brad tall Garrett. motherfuckers. Oh yeah, you know, just all. <laughs> How tall is Brad Garrett? Six eight. He's Six, like eight. He, he might be even a little bit taller than me. Maybe yeah. I think we're right around the same height. Who are you talking about? Brad Garrett. He's that tall? Oh yeah. 
nicest Holy dude too. Holy shit! You're already you're already fucking huge, and I would be afraid to like fucking <laughs> fight you. I think most I'm comics now, would. Though. And now that I find out you're a fucking black belt, you're probably one of the toughest comics in nah. who, who's in that, the industry. Uh, who's you that? Really who's that tall white chick doing comedy in Vegas? She's really tall. I think she moved. Krista. I, I don't know her, but I she's like a tall comic or Krista, something like that. Yeah, yeah she, she was great. very nice, but Super fucking, nice. she was. I think she moved. Yeah. She was so tall, and like I was, she, I was we, embarrassed. She's Lee Saya and I did a sh- uh, her show, and her taking a picture with Lee was hilarious. Uh-huh. <laughs> she's like so, yeah. She's great. She was, uh, yeah, yeah. She she moved up uh, somewhere up in the northeast. We well, were performing uh, northwest, uh, northwest month or so to let the people know. Yeah. Um, I'm I'll be at okay. Let's see. Uh, well, tonight. Well, this won't be out tonight. <laughs> um, you doing Mike Favorman's tonight? Yeah, yeah. Uh, next month, so March, I will be at. Spokane Comedy Club, first weekend of March. Uh, Super Funny Comedy Club in Tacoma, the 11th through the 13th. I'll also be doing a St. Paddy's Day show there in Tacoma. And then I'll be at Laughs Unlimited in Sacramento, March 26th, 27th. Great. There you go. I, I got homies up in um, in the Northwest. Uh, one of our homies, she lives in uh, Canada, Vancouver, Canada. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. She can go check you out. Uh, she listens to the podcast, Alyssa Harder. <laughs> uh, she goes to Seattle all the time. And then, are you doing any shows in Oregon that you know of? <clears throat> Not right now. I don't okay. know if Harvey's, I think Harvey's is just doing virtual shows right now. And Helium, uh, I think Helium's back over. Oh, before you fi- we finish, what were you saying about Portland? I really want to know what's your opinion about Portland comedy scene. And then you were complaining about it, the thing that you didn't like? Uh, I think it was just that, I mean, it's the same thing as like Seattle. I don't know what I was... I don't remember now. I, I think it was just that, like people in general have a very content mentality in Portland. Yeah, that's what I noticed, and it not striving, and uh, I don't know. But it's, I mean, it's a lot of that, like fucking same shit as the Seattle thing, like trigger. When you like, go to Oregon, uh, my buddy Grumzilla, he he also listens to a podcast. Uh, he'll definitely go check you out, man. For sure. He, yeah. And I, Grumzilla. dude, one thing I was gonna say, you said something earlier. You were talking about like. Uh, you know, working out jokes and stuff like that. Yeah. And I, it's like when people get upset of like, uh, when you're telling a joke, I mean, it's kind of like a joke with like a punchline and everything. I always say it's like, it's kind of like a trick, right? Yeah. You know? Um, so I like people that get bent out of shape about jokes. I'm like, if you go to a magic show and like when the magician cuts the woman in half, do yeah. you just start yelling, he's murdering her? It's yeah. fucking, no, it's a fucking trick. So just, you know, accept it, accept it for what it is. It's fucking jokes. I, I don't know if you know a guy named Sean Riles. Oh yeah. I know. Yeah. Uh, I know. Sean. Rest in uh, peace. Rest in peace. And, um, Sean was a great. I I I like the both Rouse brothers. I mean, they're not yeah, brothers, but Jason, Jason and Sean Rouse. I I like it because they're so fucking dark and edgy. Sean was great because uh, I mean he was great, but when he was trying new material, I I enjoyed it a lot because people audience are so nervous because they don't like where they're he's taking them and it's almost like a tightrope walker like you're kind of excited because you hope he make a cross or she make a cross to safety but But. (laughs) if she fall or he falls it's just like such a catastrophic fall but he is so fucking daring and I, i love um how daring he was with the material and i like the fact that sean wasn't like most comedians he was not afraid of silence. Right, right. He was, he was, he like, he talked a long time and let people kind of chew what he's saying and they're getting nervous and he'll give you a devastating punchline. And we talked about that one time because we, we were both like, 
we're not a fan of Hitler, but we're both fan of Hitler's speech patterns because every speech that he does in these big arenas, it's so fucking loud in there and people are going crazy when they hear Hitler. He doesn't say shit until the place com- come to complete silence. Mm. Then he just go fucking crazy. But uh, Sean knew that that the Sean power, who? Sean Rouse, okay. he, he understood the power of silence and mm-hmm. that, that could be a, a, a weapon for comedians if mm-hmm. you know how to use it right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, guys, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Anything else we want to plug? Are we good? I'm good. Everyone watch Patrice. Um, Next month, I'll be at um, Russell Peters shows in Salt Lake City. Beautiful. um, Near Philadelphia and New Brunswick. I'm sorry. I don't know the dates, but if you go RussellPeters.com, I'll be there for three three shows, uh, three weekends in uh, March of 2021. That's one of the people I want to meet so bad. Russell Peters. I'll make it happen. Yeah? Yes, of course. I'm a big fan of Russell Peters. I love him. I mean, he'll definitely like your wife more than you, but yes, we'll make it (laughs) happen. Well, let's not introduce my wife to him then. (laughs) (laughs) Yoshi, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Uh, Jay, Thank you, brother. Thanks for having me, brother. Yeah, Appreciate man. It. And I uh, look forward to checking out your more episodes of your podcast. I love it. So, all right, guys. Well, thank you. That's the episode. Peace.